the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Welcome to Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg. And welcome in. It is Panhandle Live for this 14th day of November 2023. Broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building. As you heard John DeVinson say there in the open. And Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto. I'm Luke Wiggs, Marsha Gavalik in studio as well. Multiple guests, multiple segments, and a lot of news to get through today, Marsha. So excited to have our next guest because uh, inquiring minds want to know. Martinsburg Police Chief Aaron Gibbons joins us. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, Good morning. first of all, uh, Miss Susan out in the in the green room posed this question. Do you know why the Christmas parade route is different this year? Yes, the parade route <laughs> is different this year. And that's, yeah, of course. Hot topic. It is a hot topic. Um, it's different this year because they set up, uh, they're doing a lot of construction in the old courthouse parking lot. That's where they used to set up the Christmas parade. So they've adjusted the parade route for this year um, because of that construction. So it's going to go straight up queen from bulldog straight to race and you promised miss susan that i'm this is... not promising okay. i'm just saying as far as i know it's the it's <laughs> gonna go back to the way it was next year but You're i know somebody me. next year is gonna come egg my house because i didn't i don't think that's her you know that's not, I already that's told, not told her i said i mean that charcuterie board's hard to carry two blocks and your nose and fingers are frozen i she's, get it she's used to it's her family tradition they you know I open know the christmas is. season so um we, you know what we don't like change <laughs> okay okay so i'm just speaking new police chief of... new changes How about that? breaking news the parade has been moved back further too <laughs> now it's going to be in april yeah. i'm kidding don't don't do that don't put them on that no, 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 no cards or letters that's right so um i our clint gage follows the martinsburg city council meetings and uh, there were a lot of swearings in uh, but but they weren't all new officers, right? We do have a new uh, a couple new officers. They haven't uh, they've been officially sworn in. Of course, we like to have their family in front of city council, so we'll get them for the uh, city council meeting to get them to swear in. But we did have promotionals, so we had two two sergeants promoted, and or I'm sorry, two corporals promoted and two patrolmen pr- promoted. Um, we had Castle Grand and um, English were promoted to sergeant, and then we had Staub and Condo promoted to corporal. That's for people cool. that aren't familiar with the promotions, uh, what are the the, the the previous responsibilities and what would the, the current responsibilities be? That's a supervisor's now? responsibility. Okay. Uh, the, the sergeant takes over a shift, and the corporal is the first l- layer of supervisory experience. I'm sure you've been around these departments and the panhandle long enough to know that sometimes departments, police uh, officers, go through a lot of um, turnover. It's nice to see folks sticking around and getting promoted. It really is. It really is. It's, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. We have a lot of new hires going through the process. We have, of course, it's a very, it's unfortunate that it takes me about six months to get a new officer where it could take, you know, a matter of a couple weeks for somebody to retire. And that's just the reality of it. You know, it's, it's a very difficult process, but we do have a lot of applicants in the process right now. Um, I'd love to get, you know, five, six people through this next Academy class in January. Is that how many you need to fill out the ranks? Oh, we need 
Yeah, <laughs> we were down uh, 16. Now we're down 14, and we have a lot in the background now. So we're we're making uh, we're making waves now. So well, they're certainly going to be busy, uh, whether they're newly sworn in or or uh, older officers. Uh, you guys have had a lot of of busts, arrests. Tell us what you're proud of. Yeah, very um, very proud of a, a few instances. Uh, and just since the last time we talked, we had we had. Uh, I, it was all over Facebook when you may have seen it. It was up on High Street. Um, we got a uh, we got information that there was a possible shooter from Hagerstown up on High Street. We wound up cordoning off the the entire area and uh, finally got the guy to come out of the house. But it was a quite, I say it. It takes me ten seconds to say it, but it, it was actually a really long process to get this guy to come out of that house. Um, of course, they have me on the phone the entire time while this is going on. Um, another one, maybe a few days after that, one of my guys recognized somebody out on Raleigh street, jumped out with him, just happened to be another shooter out of Hagerstown. So this mm -hmm. is, you know, when you see these officers jump out with somebody and maybe they recognize them, maybe they don't, um, uh, it could, it could be somebody that they know is wanted or possibly could not be. And it just so happened that this guy's wanted out of Hagerstown for a, for a shooting. What, what happens in those person of interest situations? I mean, how often are you guys refreshed on, these are people in the area that we need to be looking out for? Daily. I mean, what is that? Yeah. Yep. Daily. We have, um, we have actually roll call every time an officer shows up for roll call. Um, they go through what we call as a, as a command board or a lieutenant's board. And it has all the bolos, people to be looking out for people wanted, um, people of interest and stuff that's going on in the community around us. What, what's the usual average size of that list? It could go anywhere from one or two things on the list to 10 or 15, wow. all the way from, you know, um, the task force or from a national database. Um, there was a, a young lady found uh, deceased in the county uh, a couple of weeks ago. Any updates on on the investigation that? Or is that something that the sheriff's department or state police? I department? haven't had any follow ups with that. Um, that's the sheriff's department's. That's the sheriff's department's call right now. Fortunately, uh, we haven't had a, a ton of shootings locally, but I cover the Hagerstown uh, Police Department, uh, and and there seem to be a pretty regular slew of those. And when you say that you're locating shooters who are trying to take refuge in the panhandle after doing something violent, allegedly, across the border, um, you know, that really puts us on, you know, standby here. Well, last thing we want to do is think they, you know, let them believe that they have a safe haven. It just so happens that in a matter of two weeks, we, we located two shooters in the city of Martinsburg. That's not a normal thing to happen, but in the past couple week, it, weeks, it has happened. Now, whether they had family here, affiliations here, girlfriends, whatever it was, um, that's not a normal thing. But I have also seen that uptick in, in shootings up in Hagerstown recently as well. So, Keeping an eye on regional news and uh, something that came across my transom the other day, Northern Virginia at Dulles Town Center, a guy got accosted. He was just out shopping. Um, holiday season's coming. A lot of us just get distracted because we're busy. We got our list. We're trying to take care of that. We're not immune to that kind of thing here uh, or purse snatchings and that. Do you have any tips for folks uh, heading out doing more shopping than they normally would during the year? And and it's not just you know uh, petty theft or simple crimes like that. You know, some things that people really need to watch out for are these scams that are going on. This is the time of year that scams are very popular. Um, just take 
gift cards, for example. People, of course, you and I sit here and know if somebody's trying to get a gift card, but people really need, especially the elderly, one, you need to keep an eye on your neighbor, your friends, family, coworkers, but the elderly, they're very susceptible to this kind of behavior. Um, so just quick note on gift cards, in case you don't already know, there's really only two reasons to purchase a gift card. One, you're 15 minutes late on a gift and you, <laughs> and you, and you need something real quick. He looked right at me when he said that and he's not wrong. He's not wrong. This is why those convenience stores stay open. Yeah, it really is. 15 minutes December late 24th. on a gift and you need to get something really quick, but uh-huh. yeah. gift card or you have grandchildren, you have grandchildren, you, you need something really, uh, for the holidays, gift card. Other than that, there should be no other reason for you to get a gift card. So the if, police department does not take fines via gift card. That is correct. And if the <laughs> if somebody from Dubai calls you and says, hey, you are the next prince of Dubai, mm-hmm. and you need to send us $1,000 in iTunes cards, that's a scam. Right. <laughs> the FBI is after you and the tax office and the police department. And the, in order for us to get rid of these warrants... I need a thousand dollars in gift cards. It's a scam. It, it is a scam. But it's, it's you know extremely popular and ever growing. The elderly, um, you know, I'm probably prone to this too because if you if you would never do something like that to someone else, especially as you get older and and the phone rings, you feel compelled to answer because it's rude not to, and someone's on the other end of the line saying they're your grandchild and they need you to send a gift card. They're in jail. They're mm-hmm. they need bail. That is. Nine, uh, 99% of the times that's a scam. I'd be like, I raised you better than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least call them back or call the police department. Something, right. Something's definitely not right. Well, you mentioned, of course, the holiday season in local businesses. You said that you had prioritized being on the job, meeting with local business owners, you know, mm-hmm. once a month. You know, have you learned anything from that, uh, that, that process in particular of meeting with the business owners here in Martinsburg? Yes, we just had another meeting last Wednesday. We have it on the second Wednesday of every month. I think last time I said second Tuesday, that was my bad. Um, not as many business owners showed up, but that's a good thing. I think uh, my phone was blowing up saying, hey, I can't make this meeting or, you know, from these business owners or Main Street Martinsburg, um, attendees of Main Street Martinsburg. Really good response from local businesses saying how well they've seen downtown or Main Street Um kind of lighten up as far as criminal activity or people that they see um, panhandling or people sitting on the curbs drinking stuff like that in the past in the square um, in the past couple months so that that was really good to hear these business owners actually reflect that so what do you attribute that to what have you guys been doing differently well I'll be honest one of it has to do with the with the weather and I told him I said I do have guys walking around downtown, not as much as we do when we have a very defined officer walking around downtown, but I do have guys still walking around. Um, I attribute it to to the officers actually being present and getting in the businesses, making contact with these business owners and with the people that are sitting on these curbs and sidewalks, haggling people walking out of these businesses. So I, I they've really been doing really well out here on the Okay, so those of us waiting for that three-way stop to happen at Wilson and Raleigh, a little, mm-hmm. little bit of time until that actually happens. Yeah, I'm actually waiting for some uh, signboards to show up. Hopefully next week or the week after, some signboards are going to be showing up. We're going to utilize those for signage um, for that four-way stop. What else do you want to let our listeners know before we have to let you go? Um, a couple things that um, are coming up. Um, actually, I don't know if uh, any of you were able to make it to the Jordan Hess, the Magic of Christmas function this last weekend but if you haven't you need to really get by there because that place is beautiful i mean they they really do a good job every year 
Um, we have the Christmas parade coming up. That's uh, Tuesday, December 5th. It's on a Tuesday this year. I think it's around 6.30. Um, we have Christmas on Main, December 2nd. They're going to have food trucks, music, um, tree lighting ceremony. Uh, that's on the 2nd of December. Uh, we go to the lights on the lake every year. I think that's the 25th and 26th of this year. Beautiful. Um, get out there and see that. Another thing I really wanted to point out is this is the year, <clears throat> I'm sorry, this is the time of year that, you know, friends, family, coworkers, you really need to pay, pay mindful attention to your, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your family. This is the time of year to really reflect and pay attention to mental illness or depression. Um, keep in mind the 988 um, crisis hotline. Uh, make that call if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling suicidal. Um, it's, I'll, I'll say it this time and next in December when I come in, I'll say it again. It's very important that people be mindful of their neighbors and their mental health. And also we're testing this Saturday, 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. Uh, for the police department, applicant testing. And also on December, I believe it's the 9th, and that will be in the afternoon. Uh, so apply with us. We have great benefits, great opportunity, and keep an eye on our website. Very good. Our guest this morning has been Martinsburg Police Chief Aaron Gibbons. Sir, we always appreciate your time. Thank you for coming in. Wonderful. I appreciate you guys very much. we got a break to take. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment here on Panhandle Live. We're talking about the issues that matter most to you. Now, back to Panhandle Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Live here on WBPM and WCST. Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online, too, at countryroadstire.com today. If you missed our conversation with Martinsburg Police Chief Aaron Gibbons, we're going to be posting this episode a little bit later on today on our Panhandle News Network uh, Facebook and Spotify page. But, Marcia, we're involved in a pretty unique and interesting event that's coming up soon, and our next guest uh, is joining us to talk about it. That's right. For the stubble, from the Stubblefield Institute, it's Ashley Hurst. Welcome in. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. So uh, you guys are all about civil engagement in some sometimes polarizing conversations. And uh, we're going to be part of the your community engagement conversation about hate crimes and hate speech. Uh, let's talk about it. Absolutely. We're really excited about our partnership with the West Virginia Radio Corporation. And this, is, this program actually comes to us with several partners. It's not only the Stubblefield Institute, but it's also being brought to you by the West Virginia Humanities Council, the National Endowment for the Humanities, the Eastern West Virginia Community Foundation, and Skinner Accident and Injury Lawyers. And when you pick the, um, the topics of discussion, uh, you know, this is a pretty polarizing one. How do you keep the conversation civil? So I think that, um, first, this, this conversation is part of a larger conversation um, called United We Stand, and it's about really understanding the, the things that drive us apart, particularly with hate-based violence. And our topic this week um, is the policing of hate speech and hate crimes, and that will be both formal policing, so, and which is why we have Sheriff Nate Harmon and uh, former U.S. Attorney for the Northern District Bill Powell joining us, but also then the informal policing and the and looking at the effects of hate speech and hate crimes. And we will have Rita Cofield with the Berkeley County Chapter of the NAACP 
and Keith Pollard from the Eastern Panhandle Empowerment Center. He's the hate crime victims advocate. And when we're approaching a topic like this, we really set the expectations ahead of time, and we invite people to join us with a spirit of generosity, a spirit of being there to learn and to see something from another perspective. It doesn't mean you have to agree with that perspective, but to at least expand your knowledge of a topic and a little bit of your understanding. I think people listening to this, um, you know, might, with, with a grain of salt, say, okay, um, this is a, a panel discussion, but, but they may be just trying to tell me what to think about this. Um, how do you assure folks that that is actually not the case? So at the Stubblefield Institute, we are very careful to try to capture multiple perspectives in our panel discussions. And I mean, obviously, we cannot capture every single perspective. Uh, we cannot have a panel of 20 people. But we do seek out to um, find diverse perspectives from different areas of our community. In this case, we have uh, law enforcement, we have our nonprofit community community be re being represented, we have um, advocates within our community joining us. And then the other piece, which is something we're trying for this event, is prior to the discussion starting, we will have a time of small group discussion. It will be facilitated small group discussion. And out of those discussions will come the questions that are posed to the panel. So if someone really wants to participate in um, getting information from the panel and shaping that discussion, it's really important that they participate in the small group of discussion ahead of time. So get there at 5.30 at the very latest. Correct. Get there at 5.30. We will have group discussion from 5.30 to 6. And then we will begin our panel discussion at 6, which will be aired live with you all on WEPM and WCST and also streaming online. Well, let's expand on that a little bit then. So you mentioned the, the breakout rooms and the conversation that's going to happen before we go live on the air. Uh, and, of course, WEPM, the former news director, Hans Vogel, is going to be involved. So people that are specifically listening on the radio from 6 to 7, uh, what exactly should they be expecting to hear? So I think they will be expecting to hear uh, several different perspectives. They, they will hear about, one, what is happening, what is the prevalence of hate speech and hate crimes in our area. Nationally, uh, we have seen an increase in both of those, but is that happening here in the Eastern Panhandle? We will also uh, talk about what each of us individually can do, whether it's um, being supportive of someone who has experienced hate speech or, or hate crime, um, sometimes it might be reporting it or walking with that person through reporting it or just going through the informal policing of it. Is if, if you hear someone um, engaging in hate speech saying, hey, that's really not okay, and being part of the community response. Obviously, uh, again, another could be very polarizing topic, but uh, you're hoping to approach it from an area of, of grace and, and uh, with the the goal of understanding more at the end of the evening. Uh, Ashley, how can folks find out more about this? Uh, it is a free event, but I understand uh, you do want to know who's coming and, and reservations are, are uh, requested. 
That is correct. It is a free event, but because we are setting up four small groups and we need to make sure we have the right number of groups prepared, we do ask people to register online through Eventbrite, and you can get that link by going to our website, stubblefieldinstitute.org, and looking under the events. And for people that are interested in uh, looking into upcoming events for Stubblefield, uh, where can they find more information? Uh, they're more than welcome to look at our website, or they can go to our Facebook page where we also have our events. And I wanted to mention we are supporting another event and in partnership with the Shepherdstown Rotary on Thursday evening. That will it will be a community forum on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And that will be November 16th at 7, also at Shepherd University in the Store Ballroom. Very good. Well, our guest this morning has been Ashley Hurst of the Stubblefield Institute talking about Wednesday's community conversation, policing of hate uh, crimes and hate speech, which will be aired from 6 to 7 right here on WEPM and WCST, but, uh, of course, is taking place on Shepherd's campus. And, Ashley, we really appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward uh, to this upcoming event. Thank you. We appreciate your partnership. Absolutely. We'll have another break to take, and we'll get to our next guest on the other side. You're still listening to Panhandle Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. You're listening to Panhandle Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Scratch my back with lightning. Welcome back inside the Hoppy Kirchville building here in Martinsburg. Again, Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care. With two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville, online to at countryroadstire.com. Today, old Harvey standing by, top of the hour, another edition of Metro News Talk Line coming your way at 10.06. Uh, but our next guest, Marcia, is uh, joining us in studio to continue the conversation today. It is candidate for governor in the Constitution Party, Marshall Wilson. Welcome in. Howdy, y'all. Luke, it's good to meet you. i got to tell you, um, hearing you talk a minute ago, mm-hmm. I have to say to you the same thing that I said to one of my professors in college. Uh, I, he, he talked for 45 minutes straight without taking a breath and said more things than anybody could possibly <laughs> write down. And I said, can you teach me to talk as fast as you do? And he said, no, I don't believe I can. But uh, that was amazing. Thank oh, you. Much appreciated. So he's a he's a broadcast professional. He, he's a bright fellow. So my name is Marshall Wilson. I'm a dad, a husband, combat veteran. I was a missionary in the Amazon jungle. Uh, when I say I'm a dad, I've dad nine times over. Not real sure how that happened. I'm married to a retired uh, uh, Navy captain who uh, has deployed four times. So she's been working hard all her life too. And uh, we live in South Berkeley County. Uh, I was a delegate from South Berkeley County for two terms. In 2020, I ran for governor as the candidate for the Independent Party. And then this year, I was drafted by the uh, Constitution Party uh, to to run as their candidate. And uh, we're working hard to collect the signatures. We need 8,000 signatures to get my name on the ballot. And we are uh, going and blowing. We are making rapid progress. And we will absolutely be on the ballot next November. Well, let's start, I guess, if you don't mind, then from that third-party angle. You know, it's so interesting from a national standpoint. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the news recently with uh, Senator Manchin, you've got Robert Kennedy, where third parties are starting mm-hmm. to gain popularity from a national sense. Do you get the sense that we're trending that way in the Mountain State as well? Oh, absolutely. But, uh, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, I do take exception to the concept of third party because it presumes the two parties, uh, the two-party system, which is a mistake. As George Washington told us in his uh, farewell address, don't let the parties become permanent. If you form a party to fight for one issue, you know, that's great. Fight for that issue until you win, you know, and the parties should be constantly shifting and changing because different issues rise and fall. The problem is when you establish permanent parties, what they do is insinuate themselves between the people who own this country 
and the government that serves the people to manage the country. And what you've got now is you've got a layer of, uh, of control between the people and between the people who work for them that actually controls the people who work for you. And you're in a lot of trouble. However, comma, there is momentum for these two parties yes, that are entrenched and, and a lot of money uh, established be, uh, between the two of them. Uh, it is an uphill battle anytime you want to. Yes, ma'am. There's no doubt they have power, but they have no authority. Mm. They're exercising uh, illicit authority with all that power they have. So tell us about the Constitution Party. Why are you signed up with them? Well, a um, couple of reasons. First of all, they are absolutely focused on establishing constitutional governance in West Virginia. Um, I, you, you might ask why I didn't sign up with them in 2020, and the answer is simple. I didn't know they existed. Um, I, once again, as I was telling you all earlier, I, I went to change my registration from Republican to Independent because the chair of the Republican Party told me they didn't want me. I was a sitting Republican delegate. And she called me into her office, screamed at me for 15 minutes, told me I was a bad Christian and an, and an embarrassment as a representative, and told me they didn't want me because all I did was walk around quoting the Constitution at people. And I said, yes, ma'am, thank you for your time. And I went and changed my registration to independent. Had I known there was a Constitution party, had I known they were actually West Virginians fighting hard to establish constitutional governance, perhaps I would have joined that party. But at that point, it wasn't my intent to run for governor anyway. I simply had to leave the Republican Party. In your prior race, you were running against uh, the the governorship of Jim Justice. He's he's going to be out of the picture, uh, presumably running. God, for I US hope Senate. so. <laughs> I hope so. He's running for U.S. Senate, and Lord, let's let's please send Jim back to the Greenbrier and uh, do it with such fervor that he never sticks his nose up again. So that being said, <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, what what's your platform this go around? Same pr- platform it's always been. Same principles I've always had since I was seventeen years old, and I enlisted in the army. And I raised my right hand and, uh, and swore my life to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America, to support and defend the Constitution. Uh, my platform has never changed. Once I figured out what the uh, Constitution was and what it was all about, uh, I understood that it was worth laying down my life. And, and nothing in that has ever changed for me. My intent is to uh, support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, including the ones who live here, who are in Charleston, who have sworn to you that they're here to secure your individual natural rights, which is their absolute job. They also take the same oath or a similar oath to support and defend the Constitution, and then they break it constantly, all day long, and they do it intentionally. How are they doing it? Well, uh, for instance, let's talk about uh, what your natural rights are. And I'm sorry, I am a a college instructor. I teach in a master's program at uh, Liberty University, so you'll forgive me if I start to wax philosophical, but I think the philosophical underpinnings of all this is critically important. People don't understand this. So the Declaration of Independence says very clearly, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That means that they are, there is a certain list of them. It can't be changed, can't be added to, can't be subtracted from. And unalienable means you can't lose your rights. You can be denied the free exercise of them, which is a crime to deny someone the free exercise of their rights. And the government does it to you all day long. But Certain unalienable rights, among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these rights, the ones listed, to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So you ask, how do they work contrary to their their purpose? Give me real real examples. Okay. Here in the the, the state. Any time that they do anything that doesn't secure the individual natural rights of the citizens of the state of West Virginia, they are working against their purpose and and destroying their, their authority. So, for instance, uh, 
uh, the right to life, right? Right to life. So recently, um, uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned in the U.S. Supreme Court. West Virginia had an existing law that said you can't kill babies because babies are human beings who have a right to life. It's that simple. The Republican supermajority introduced a, uh, uh, an amendment to another bill. Now, first of all, there was an existing law that said you can't have an abortion. The Attorney General of West Virginia, Republican Attorney General, who is currently a candidate for Republican candidate, said, you know, we, we, need, we need to rethink this. We need to modernize it. No, we don't. There's a law. The existing law says here's what the people of West Virginia intend based on the, the principles of the Constitution, principles of liberty. And uh, he said, we need to rethink this. He went to the legislature and said, hey, you guys need to do something about this. Legislature uh, went into session. They wrote a new law saying that uh, murdering babies was a bad idea. And then a local delegate here, a local Republican delegate, a member of the Republican supermajority in your legislature, wrote a, uh, an amendment, named it after himself, the Hardy Amendment. So this is John Hardy in North Berkeley County, wrote an amendment that said, well, you know, if the babies, if human beings are conceived in a way that is unpleasant to talk about, then it's okay to kill them. Here's the problem with all of that. Either our rights are unalienable or they're not. If they are unalienable, then our entire system should be focused on protecting the individual natural rights of each citizen. But what about the um, the rights of the mother who feels as though she might face criminal charges if she's in a situation where her health um, might be affected delivering a baby? And I'm asking this because this is a conversation that needs to be had as well. Sure, and the conversation has been had 10,000 times. And there are people who use that as a uh, uh, a crutch to actually not deal with the situation. But are there protections? Would there be protections for someone in that situation who has to make the, a, a horrible decision about what, whether or not... Define the decision. Define the problem before we discuss the if, solution. If the individual, if the woman having having a child has been informed by medical um, you know, practitioners that her life is in jeopardy unless she terminates a pregnancy, um, you know, what are her protections? What are her protections? Well, she's an individual. Is she going to be, you know, prosecuted? Would she and her doctor be criminally charged? Well, if if what's actually going on there actually is a threat to her life, then she has a right to make that decision. So you're saying there would be protections, you know? There there would be protections, but here here's the here's the issue. The issue is that what really happens in practical situations is that's used as a crutch to go ahead and have an abortion when that's not actually medically provable. So there has to be a board that can actually address that. People who have the the knowledge, the capabilities to actually look into the situation and say, no, her doctor was just giving her an out. And then the doctor should absolutely be prosecuted. Our guest this morning is Marshall Wilson. He's running uh, for governor under the Constitution Party. Uh, you mentioned that uh, on the daily, the, the supermajority, Republican supermajority, yes, is uh, is infringing on the constitutional rights of citizens. What are some real-life uh, examples, uh, you know, besides, uh, obviously you brought up the abortion uh, debate. Okay, well, uh, one of the rights that is that is included in the, the Declaration of Independence is the right to the pursuit of happiness. If you read the philosophy behind the pursuit of happiness, what is talked about there is the right to take the, the wealth or the, the, uh, the goods that you have created through the in, uh, investment of your time, your effort, your capabilities, in other words, yourself. Your time, your effort, your capabilities, that is you. You are actually investing yourself into that. 
So because you own yourself, you own whatever you create through the investment of yourself. And they take that away from you and they give it to other people. So, you know, let's talk about welfare. There's corporate welfare. There's individual welfare. Let's talk about corporate welfare. I've had an interesting ongoing discussion with a local delegate here in uh, Berkeley County about the fact that the legislature, the Republican supermajority and the Republican governor of West Virginia are taking money out of your pocket that you earned to feed your kids, to pay your bills, and they gave it to a corporation owned by Bill Gates as a bribe to get him to move a business here into the northern panhandle of West Virginia that will hire a very small number of highly trained individuals. And that business actually has the stated purpose of ending fossil fuels in America, in West Virginia. Okay, so the whole situation is bad. But the, the fact of the matter is the basic issue is they don't have the right to take your money and give it to other people. So taxation Taxation exists for one purpose, which is the purpose the government exists for, to secure your natural rights. How is buying Bill Gates the opportunity to come to West Virginia, buying his decision to come to West Virginia and set up a business, explain to me how that defends anyone's natural rights. Well, expanding off of that point, and obviously you've made your opinion quite clear of the, the Justice Administration, I think that when it's all said and done, whether or not he's in the U.S. Senate or whether he goes back to being a private citizen, the majority of West Virginians will look back at the Governor Jim Justice administration rather positively, which is why he has this momentum in running into Senate. They would highlight, you know, uh, the rainy day fund. They would highlight a significant cut to income tax. But it, it's clear that you've been incredibly highly critical of the governor. The governor. Oh, only since the first day I met him when he walked into the legislature and said, "I need a four hundred and fifty million dollar tax increase on the people of West Virginia." And I stood up and I said two questions. First of all. Where are the people of West Virginia going to get an additional $450 million to give to you for your pet projects? And secondly, when are you going to pay the $4.4 million in taxes that you owe the state? Hmm. Yeah. So anyone who's looking back on this, and I disagree that the majority of West Virginians will look back on this as a wonderful time for them. Hmm. You are completely discounting businesses that were destroyed, uh, children who were forced into... Uh, forced to wear masks in public schools, and the, the program doesn't work. Uh, wearing masks doesn't do what they say that it's going to do. Uh, that's, that's medically proven now. They're finally admitting this, that it doesn't do any good. Uh, but the thing is, he didn't even look into it. He just said, you know, y'all do whatever you got to do. The chief executive is the chief of the executive branch, which means that he is responsible for everything they do or fail to do. His pretense that, well, I just left that up to the, to the experts doesn't fly. The simple fact of the matter is experts simply provide information to the decision makers. They don't get to make the decisions. The Department of Health out here doesn't get to make decisions. They simply provide, provide uh, uh, information, recommendations to the decision makers who are the people elected by the people to make those decisions. How, how would you then explain uh, Jim Justice's current popularity then in, in terms of him I think being it's, a... I think it's a lie in a farce. Mm -hmm. You can't trust polls. I mean... Um, and, and even if, okay, first of all, even if he does have that popularity, it's because people don't understand what they're looking at. Mm. Secondly, I believe that uh, I have personally been involved when polls were skewed. It depends on how you ask the question. It depends on uh, uh, how you, you read the information. Uh, and you can, you can ask those questions, read that information any way you want to. I don't believe that Jim Justice is as popular as he pretends that he is. Now, his dog might be popular. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, his pornographic display of his dog's rear end uh, on television might be popular, um, but uh, I don't understand why.
Our guest this morning is candidate for governor in the Constitution Party, Marshall Wilson. So uh, you mentioned, you know, protecting the Constitution, constitutional rights, but some of the pocketbook issues that folks might be concerned about, they want to know their governor is is looking out for yes, them ma'am. there. Talk about that. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. First of all, the government needs to stop stealing your money. That'll help your pocketbook a lot. Uh, my first my first task as governor will be to audit every single department of the executive branch. I am the chief executive officer. I will audit every executive uh, department, every office, every function. The first thing that will do is it will ensure that their actions are constitutional. Secondly, that they're legal. Thirdly, that they're fiscally responsible. Fourthly, that they actually function according to uh, effective personnel um, priorities. And finally, that they actually serve the people the way that they're supposed to. And I only put the rest of that before serving the people is because I have to dismantle the whole thing and rebuild it before we can actually ensure that we're serving the people the way they should. So once the government is actually brought down to the point where all it does is secure your natural rights, um, then uh, you will have economic freedom, you will have economic liberty, and you will build here an economy. You, the people, will build an economy here that that will stand for generations. You were a delegate, so yes, you ma'am. had you had to uh, be a you had a seat at the table making these decisions about, um, mm-hmm. you know, where the tax dollars would go. Uh, you know, are you averse to programs that uh, enhance quality of life? For example, would those be programs that would be stripped under a Wilson administration, or do you do you have room for that in in your uh, okay? In your a couple ideology? of things about that. First of all. Um, I am a, as you know, I am a, uh, an ordained minister. I believe in serving people. The problem is we have conflated government with society. You and I need to serve our neighbors. The government's job is to secure the natural rights of each individual citizen. That's it. And the reason that that's it is because the government has such overwhelming power that it should have no authority, and it has no authority, to do any of these other things, because everything the government does is force. That's the only thing it is. It is a sword. So when you say that we need to care for our neighbors, uh, you didn't use those words, but that's the way I'm interpreting them. I hope that's okay. I absolutely agree with you. We do. And if you look at my past, and I'm not going to sit here and brag, but you can go and ask people who know me, and you will know that I do this. I'm not simply saying, well, it's on you. I think that we need to engage our neighbors. That is society's problem. It's not the government's problem. Very good. Uh, well, 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 people that are interested in learning more about your campaign, uh, potentially getting in touch with you, uh, where can they go? Okay, thanks. Uh, I'd like to finish that up by saying that uh, the that we need to take care of each other, but government is simply the wrong tool to do that. Mm. Okay, so uh, to get a hold of me, you can go to marshall4wv.com. Is it a our, four number? Or yeah, is it? thank you for asking that. I was about to clarify. Okay. Yeah, that's very important. So it's marshall4wv.com. Make sure you use the numeral four, not the word F-O-R, because some bright lad bought that URL and connected it to a porn site. So mm. uh, oh, please don't use yikes. Marshall F-O-R. Use Marshall numeral four. Uh, because that will take you to our website, and then this lively lad who's trying to cast aspersions on my campaign will not be able to send you to a uh, a porn site. Uh, also, I'd like to Good announce to know. that's key. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, key. yeah, that's pretty important, right? <laughs> okay, so uh, I'd also like to announce, if I may, that we are having a shindig here in Martinsburg, and it's not just going to be me. I've invited other candidates in this area who are fighting hard for your natural rights. And I think you have a right to meet them and to know them. And uh, I'm not going to name them right now because I haven't gotten all the RSVPs and I don't want to leave anybody out. But we're going to have a, a truckload of great candidates who are fighting for your individual natural rights. 
and uh, we're going to have live music, refreshments. It's going to be this Saturday, November 18th, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's going to be on the Dragon Patio. The Dragon Patio is out behind the home, owned by Michael Bochinski and Vicki Barnhart. It's at 701 Millrace Drive in Martinsburg. That's over uh, by the hospital, by the park, on the hospital end of the park. Uh, 701 Millrace Drive, Martinsburg. And like I said, that's November 18th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. You'll get to meet a lot of really cool candidates. You'll get to ask them directly questions. Uh, we've invited media out so that uh, we can get the word out to others. And we're going to try to do a live stream, but we'd really appreciate it if you could actually come by in person. Thank you very much. Well, our guest this morning has been candidate for governor from the Constitution Party and Marshall Wilson. Sir, very uh, thankful for you giving us the time. Thank you for coming on. No, I appreciate y'all. Thank you very much. All right, one more break to take. We'll wrap up the show after this on Panhandle Live. We're talking about the issues that matter most to you. Now, back to Panhandle Live. Final segment on this Tuesday edition of Panhandle Live. It's Luke Wiggs and Marsha Kavalik with you. If you missed any or part of today's discussions, we were joined uh, by Ashley Hurst of the Stubblefield Institute, also by Martinsburg Police Chief Aaron Givens, uh, and then most recently by Marshall Wilson, who's a candidate for governor from the Constitution Party. Um, this episode will be posted a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network uh, Facebook and Spotify page. So I have a, a, an urgent traffic note. It is not happening right now, but it will be happening tonight. So uh, Alert Berkeley says the uh, east and westbound right lane of Apple Harvest Drive will be closed from Foxcroft to West Virginia 11 from 8 p.m. tonight to 6 a.m. tomorrow. Use caution. All right, very good. Well, one thing we wanted to hit on here in this final segment, uh, Marsha, a really interesting story that you put into the rundown about uh, business growth. Businesses registered over the last couple of months, and uh, there's a handful of eastern Panhandle counties that are appearing as high as the top five. Right, so um, we typically end up in a pretty good spot whenever uh, they, they put these notes out, but the West Virginia Secretary of State's office uh, released figures about business growth, um, businesses opening up, in October, and uh, the top five counties, Kanawha, Monongalia, Berkeley, Jefferson, and Harrison. Uh, Berkeley County had 75 new registrations, uh, Jefferson 57. Very interesting. Also, um, something that of note, uh, I, I know Metro News has been uh, covering it a lot too, the Capitol Christmas tree, which came from the Monongahela Forest, has been making a tour. It's a bit of a celebrity of itself. They interviewed the drivers. I thought they you were going to say they interviewed the tree. <clears throat> I mean, I guess the you tree could. refused to comment. Right. <laughs> and it's very stoic. Um, <laughs> so it's making a stop here in the Panhandle tomorrow at the Harpers Ferry Job Corps from noon to two p.m. Very interesting. Uh, as uh, we mentioned earlier, coming up here in just a couple of moments will be another edition of Metro News Talk Line. I got some interesting responses to our last guest on the text line. We appreciate the candor, 304-263-4321, and uh, we appreciate uh, Mr. Wilson coming on and uh, sparking some of the discussion. But uh, a really interesting guest today, Marsha. We'd be remiss if we didn't touch on this, albeit coming from the opposite end of the state, but we talk about Marshall a lot. Uh, today is the 53rd anniversary, of course, right. of, of, of the plane crash. And there's going to be a really interesting guest on Talkline coming up at 1045. Uh, Rex Repass, who was a high school player when the plane went down and then was a part of the Marshall football team building up after that. Um, so certainly somber days today. Of course, um, 
they turn off the fountain right. in They'll Huntington. Have the ceremony and today. I, I can't even imagine what how powerful that is to, to see that in person. And you know, I, I mentioned we talked to um, an alum uh, when we were down for an event recently, and and it really is still raw. Uh, speaking of Hoppy, uh, they're going to be talking a lot about the Jefferson County Commission issue. Brad McElhaney will be on top of the show, and then at. 11 o'clock, top of the of that hour, Jefferson County Commission President Steve Stolifer. That's going to be key. Like you mentioned, 1106, Steve Stolifer will be on with uh, with Hoppy as well. You're not going to want to miss that conversation. Marsh, you're also not going to want to miss the fantastic weather. If, it, if I had my way, it would be 55 and sunny 365 days a year. I, don't know I, about I haven't you. been out much today. I'm hoping it's beautiful. <laughs> but it is uh, <laughs> certainly pristine weather that I hope I get the chance to enjoy, and I hope our listeners uh, get the chance to enjoy as well. By the way, before we clear it, anything you wanted to get um, on, Marcia? Just go over to panhandlenewsnetwork.com. There's some regional news about MAC uh, workers still on strike. They are voting tomorrow. Uh, up in Hagerstown. All right, very good. And uh, I wanted to mention that this morning on Panhandle Sports Live, we unveiled which high school football broadcast we're going to be carrying this Friday night. Kyle Wiggs will have the call for Martinsburg and Jefferson. He's making the trek. Related separate. Yeah, so like I said, people (laughs) that think we sound alike, uh, they're not even going to know the difference when they turn on their radios on Friday night. Uh, But Kyle Wiggs will have the call for that Martinsburg and Jefferson game. That'll kick 7.30 this Friday. We've got Shepherd football the next day. Myself, Parker Stone, traveling to old Hickory, North Carolina. Or, Or will it be Kyle? You know, on the call. How can you we never know? know? That's true. <laughs> you won't be able to tell which one of us is which. That's going to do it for us. For Marsha Kavalik, I've been Luke Wiggs. This has been Panhandle Live, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.